I have had the great privilege of uh, pastoring uh, some churches and uh, getting into all sorts of fun and creative spaces and, you know, learning a ton about the ways in which the church often misses the move of God because God is moving in places that are not sanctioned officially by the church. You're listening to the NCMU Podcast, where we are dedicated to raising up and equipping the next generation of nerd culture missionaries and are proud members of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. In this episode, we hear from Mike Erie, teaching pastor of Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee, and host of the Voxology Podcast. Listen in as he and Mark talk about how the church tends to lag behind when it comes to reaching an emerging generation. Well, hello and welcome back to the NCMU podcast. I am your host, Mark, the lead and founding pastor of Lux Digital Church. We're really excited that you decided to tune in and listen in today as we are exploring our dedication to both equipping and uh, sending uh, the next generation of nerd culture missionaries, which I literally butchered the opening line of that, but it, it's it's fine. I like what it. it. Yeah, branding makes no difference, right? Saying, yeah, the uh, recognizable slogans, who cares about that? Um, wow. Okay, I'm joined by uh, Mike Erie today. Did I get your last name right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, uh, you nailed that. Right. I mean, the slogan, who cares? The last name, yes. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad. Um, so I'm joined by Mike Erie today, uh, who is uh, like the, you're like the founder and starter of Voxology Podcast, Correct. Correct. Yes. And so we're going to get to know Mike today. Mike's also one of the keynote speakers. I would say like the keynote speaker at, uh, <laughs> at Nerd Culture Ministries Summit. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about his story, all of that stuff. But as we get kicked off, Mike, help us get to know you a little bit um, out of all of the people that we've had on this show. There's been some people who've been a little bit more, I would say, obscure or newer to the scene of Nerd Culture Missions work yeah. and, and digital yeah. church expressions. Yeah. Um, but you will be the one that's like most outside of that. So I know you're probably a humble guy. You don't want to brag, but I would love to know a little bit about like a little bit about you, but also give us a little bit of like the, you know, like the LinkedIn profile, like give us oh, an idea yeah. about where you've been and what you've done. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing, my friend is I've spent nine years of my life playing destiny Two. Amen. Um, Amen. That, I mean, one and two, I was, I was there for the beta and um, okay, are you liking season of the witch more more than the last one for sure season um, of the deep was pretty terrible yeah that was awful i'm yeah. not gonna lie so i didn't even want to mention it by name but yes yeah. who wants um, to dress like a fish and talk to a whale not uh, me that was tough <laughs> god bless him and and i mean i i i first discovered bungee when they launched marathon which was the i was a, a mac guy in the 90s and they launched marathon which was a um uh, mouse and keyboard shooter game that, you know, morphed into, you know, something like Halo. Um, and so I've just stuck with Bungie the whole, the whole ride. So, um, it's like last... me and Bethesda. It's like a, yeah. it's a really yeah. intricate, painful relationship. Yeah. yeah that's it. That's it. That's uh -huh. it. There, yeah. there have definitely been highs and lows outside of that. Um, I have had the great privilege of, uh, pastoring uh, some churches and uh, getting into all sorts of fun and creative spaces and, you know, learning a ton 
about the ways in which the church often misses the move of God because God is moving in places that are not sanctioned officially by the church. And so mm. Mm. Uh, if the, the one piece of resume that uh, I'm most proud of is that um, I am uh, somebody who loves to learn and loves to see and to be surprised by this very disruptive Jesus who is often found in the places we least expect, which you know, leads me to being totally aligned with something like this, where traditionally the church, Mark Driscoll had a very famous line, video games aren't sinful, they're just stupid. Um, yeah, that's his, that's his, well, you know, Mark Driscoll loves Twitter, man. He loves X, you know, whatever, whatever we can, t- whatever we can oh, toss out on the in- internet, right? You seriously. Know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long, it, it, you don't actually have to pastor people if you just constantly are making, you know, very, very opinionated statements. Um, and I just, I, you know, I just think that that attitude is probably, that's the most aggressive side of it. The least aggressive side of it is, ah, it's just a childish thing. And, you know, people need to grow up and get jobs and, you know, sure, very dismissive, yeah, whatever. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I kind of think neither of those extremes, um, is where Jesus is at and what he's up to these days. So if I had to do a LinkedIn profile, that would be the part I would camp on is, man, I've learned to try to not box this Jesus fellow in. Uh, mm. He is the infinitely creative God is infinite in his uh, creativity and willingness to find people wherever they are. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like I come from, I, I, I want to, I'm, I'm going to ask you more questions about your story specifically because I think it's important. Um, but I came from a working in a physical church for 10 years. Um, and you know, we weren't a a mega church, but we were a mega church for my community of 1200 people. Um, and so for our small town in rural Western PA worshiping 900 a weekend, 1600 unique people over the course of a month, like we were, we were the, like the church, right? We Mm -hmm. were the big church. Um, and, and, and nothing to say poorly about them. They're a major supporter of us. I love the senior pastor of that church really well. But what I found is exactly what you're saying, right? The system, processes the culture the mission statement the vision the values like all of that stuff drove our church towards growth but limited our church in scope Mm. um and i found that to be a a, an increasingly frustrating reality um Mm -hmm. inside of like the boundaries were helpful um because it helped us to focus and but the boundaries also limited our belief of where god could work yeah and, and that, and that's always been the issue with the people of God, right? I mean, from Israel on, it's always been circumscribing, uh, God's ways to the point where, you know, he has to continually surprise us that he's doing stuff outside of the boundaries we've created. So, you know, there, there is a great difference between being a missionary and being a pastor. A pastor mm-hmm. shepherd is somebody who's concerned about those who are already in. Um, and a missionary is someone who's learning a different language altogether and mm. different thought categories and structural categories so that you can communicate this beautiful message about Jesus in ways that are, you know, not already being done. And, um, and then there are those of us who, who see kind of the role as being both at the same time, that it's possible to really do both of those things and that the best pastors aren't the ones who just take care of the people they have but are um, helping to cast a vision and practicing themselves mm-hmm. the kind of lifestyle that leads us into places we wouldn't have chosen to go otherwise. 
Amen. Yeah, when we were planning Lux, a lot of people asked, are you a missions organization or are you a church? Like, which one are you? And yes. And my answer was yes. Like, yeah. whichever one you would like us to be, we can be that. That's <laughs> that's fine. Whatever makes you feel more comfortable, that's, that's the right. one we are. You know, it's my firm belief that every great missions organization plants churches because we need churches. Uh, and every great church is missional by impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, love, absolutely love that. Well, Mike, tell us a little bit about some of the story of where you were to where you are today, because I think that that story is really interesting. Start us with pastoring in California. Yeah, I, for, for, I'm I'm an Ohio kid. So I grew up in Ohio, um, Midwest to the core, went out to California to go to grad school and, um, through a series of just fun coincidences, I found myself working in a mega church that built relationships to a different mega church that ultimately led to me taking over a mega church and, um, and doing the Southern California, you know, big time pastor thing, um, which, you know, I found to be really, um, difficult, unsatisfying, um, not because there was something wrong with it, but I think there was just something wrong with me. There was a restlessness mm. to not just see, um, the, the people who were comfortable in the church keep coming to the church, but rather to see the people who would never step foot into the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was like, for instance, um, I was a police chaplain and probably the most significant ministry I ever did was sitting in, you know, eight hour car rides with guys who had no choice but to put up with you. Hmm. And, um, and, 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 and I, th- I think we, we, they asked, they actually asked, I never talked about, Jesus Bible, I would just, you know, try to be normal and whatever. And, um, and we had a, they asked for like, they asked three of the guys came up one day and they're like, Hey, could we, I'd love to learn more about the Bible. Hmm. And you're like, that's the dream scenario. So I bought them all Bibles. And the first Bible study we did was here's the table of contents because these guys had never opened up a Bible before. And you know, this Mark, that is the best, like, Oh yeah ever um to and so so i it for me it wasn't a um it wasn't that the church uh institutional structures are bad i think i think some of them are stale and some of them are old and some of them are effective and some of them are focused more on self-preservation than not but um i the the thing that really opened my eyes was after i transitioned out of one of these large churches uh, a buddy of mine had just started a podcast and this was maybe this was uh, nine years ago before every middle-aged, you know, white dude had a podcast. And sure, I got six. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, <laughs> totally. And, and all of a sudden you discover there's this just massive breadth of people that would never engage with you in a church context mm-hmm. um, who, are, who are tuning in for whatever reason, however they found their way there. And, wow, did that open our eyes to... Um, the possibilities of exactly what you've explored quite naturally to me, there, there had to be an unlearning before there was a learning for you. It was probably more native just cause you're, you know, I'm probably what, two years older than you. Maybe I'm 28. Uh, um, I am. Yeah, I'm 25. Okay, perfect. Um, and if you buy either one of those, are you really 25? Yeah. Because I'm really not. Oh, 25. Yeah, yeah, I'm 35. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right. I was going to say, for, for those not seeing the YouTube feed, you would know that that is very incorrect on both sides of that equation. Anyway, 
Uh, so we started a podcast and, and we planted a church out of the podcast, which was so weird and fun and unique. And so I'd never been a part of anything like that. And we've since tried to form what we, we call the micro communities, which are just communities, you know, that, that somehow of people who are like-minded, who gather around similar interests and content, um, and kind of live in ways that seek to embody the things that we're talking about on the podcast. So it's been a very, very fun journey for me to go from the classic on the stage. I still do it. I'm still a teaching pastor at a church in Nashville. But um, to have the other gear of, you know, seeing what digital ministry sort of looks like has been really rewarding. We actually planted Lux out of a podcast community. So no way. Um, I started a podcast to cover card games, uh, digital card games, and just simply had a, had a simple <laughs> prayer. Lord, would you redeem, would you make use of my love for gaming? Either it's it's finally yeah. got to go. At, yeah. I don't know what I yeah, was, yeah. 30. Uh, either it's finally got to go or or you got to make use of it. And God began to supernaturally make use of the podcast. Um, I would interview people, ask if I could pray for them afterwards, um, and then God would answer those prayers. And so we were seeing people receive healing, get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant, find jobs, couldn't find jobs all over the globe. And I recognized that God was powerfully at work here, and he wasn't answering my prayers at the church I was working for very often. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's when God took me through uh, Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, um, mm -hmm. where Blackaby says, don't just do things and ask God to bless them, but look and see where God is at work and go partner with him in it. That's and it was it, clear yeah. that God was at work here. But to be honest with you, Mike, like the, the process of deconstruction was a very real process for me. Um, mm. I had no social media accounts. I played video games to escape people, not to connect with them. I was always the one to say that God's plan A is the local church, and he doesn't make a plan B. Um, I fully believe that digital expressions of church were heretical. Um, and um, God, God, you know, actually the, the book that I had started, we had talked about before we started recording. Um, the first few chapters of that are literally about that process where I would take my dog for a walk and the Holy Spirit relentlessly kept talking to me and walking me through scriptures to help me to realize that my preconceived ideas about what it makes a church a church had a lot more to do with what made me comfortable than had it to do with what the Bible actually said about church. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that heart because a big heart of our church and also the NCMU, NCMS is all about like, hey, we want to, we really are about reaching people that would rather go to hell than go to church uh, that like like if you gave them the choice and they said and you said to them when you die you will go to hell or you can come back to church many of those people would say i'll roll the dice and go to hell yeah. um because i'm never going back to the doors of a church and we're like how do you reach people when all of your when all of what you're doing as a church is building centric how do you reach people that would rather go to hell than walk through your doors um, because it, is there a trump card the church has that's larger than hell, right? Like, <laughs> and yeah. so that was uh, it has been a very powerful reality in the story of of what we're doing. So all of that to say, you get this random message from Saint Barrett from Zach, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna do this thing in Marble Falls, Texas. It's an hour away from <laughs> an airport. Um, we got a host church. Would you would you like to come and speak at Nerd Culture Ministry Summit? this November. Um, and you said, yes. So uh, go through some of that with me because sure. it, it seemed like a long shot for us outside of the fact that Zach knew you played destiny Two, We knew no, <laughs> we, we didn't really have any ground to stand on. And yet oh. you're flying out to Texas to, to speak at the conference. Oh man. Well that, I mean, I'm sure we'd have very similar answers for that, Mark. Um, the people I've met gaming are people who have found refuge and community and safety, um, nowhere else. Mm. So, I mean, I've played with truckers who, 
I mean, that's literally, that's, that's all they have. They, they drive all day. They find a spot. They hook up to the Wi-Fi and then they play. And that's li- literally their only community. I've, t- I've, I've been with people who are wrestling with massive, massive issues like body dysphoria or eating disorders or obesity and they can't get out of their house. I mean, the, the, um, the folks that you encounter there or the folks that I've encountered have, um, have been amazing anchors in kind of the journey around why does this matter? Well, it's because, you know, as Jesus did and still does, um, every single one of those people matters to him. Mm. And um, the last thing we as gift recipients should do is predetermine who else is worthy of the gift. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if we're all recipients at the Lord's table, then our soul job is to invite others to come and join us. And so I've always been, and it sounds like you have too, always been more interested in the ones who won't hear that invitation naturally, but you have to go seek them out, right? And Jesus tells all sorts of stories about how how God does the same sort of thing. So uh, for me, I was fascinated that, and not surprised, but fascinated that there were a group of people who were very interested in seeing gaming as something more than just a waste of time or mm. extended adolescence, but seeing it rather as an opportunity for connection and community and providing, you know, families for those who just don't have them. And, um, so, so for me, I mean, it was just like, I, I, I've never done anything like this, but I'm so proud of the people who are exploring this space and whatever I can do to help say, Hey, I think this is really legit. I want to be a part of that. Mm. Oh man. Well, Hey, I, Hey, I really appreciate that. We really appreciate you being willing to come and speak and, uh, and, and be willing to invest in this and, and also, you know, in some ways give legitimacy to, to what our heart is and your story about, Hey, gaming with people in destiny that don't have any other community is echoed so heavily across us and the dismissive nature of the church towards it. You know, for me, as somebody who was in the church who was pretty dismissive of it, I think yeah. one of the things that that clicked with me was we hit the pandemic. And I kind of knew this already because I was oh, experiencing so it through good, Discord, Mark. right? Yeah. We hit the pandemic, and uh, I had the I had the privilege of being able to sit down with um, lead pastor of Sandals Church uh, about a year ago and hear some of their story and, you know, seeing 500,000 visitors in their Easter service online and things like that. Yeah. But then also to recognize the fact that they were seeing, you know, churches like that were seeing less than 1% of people engaged in any capacity, right? Less mm-hmm. than 1% of people filling out a connect, you know, there, there's churches that were seeing 40 and 50,000 people in a live stream during COVID that were seeing 10 connection cards filled out. Yeah. Um, seeing, you know, 15, 20, 30 people, 100 people engaged in chat when you have 40 thousand people watching um and i i turned and i looked at twitch at the same time and i was seeing people who were engaging with thousands of people every single day that were actively participating and felt like they were members of the community and i said the gaming community has cracked a code for the next generation that the church hasn't scratched (laughs) Mm. um and if the church has any place where you know we're all 
and there's nothing against these guys, right? We're all listening to Kerry Newhall. We're all we're all listening. We're all listening to a whole bunch of people in the church world who already don't know how to do it and have proven that they don't know how to do it. And we're not looking at the one place on the internet that has cracked the code and does know how to do it, <laughs> um, which was the gaming community. And and so I thought to myself, this community single handedly one streamer in this community has more influence over the next generation than any pastor that's on the planet. Mm. And so there's some place where the church needs to have a voice here because yeah. people are actually here looking for truth. Right. Yeah. And this this is where they're going. You wonder where the generation of young men went. I can tell you where they went. So instead of him hawing and and complaining about the fact that they're there living vicarious lives through digital characters, maybe you meet them there because that's, well, that, that's where they are. That's the irony, Mark, is so let's say you have 8000 people come to your church and physically sit there on a weekend and they experience you through massive video screens. They don't talk to anybody. They show up, drop their kids off, pick their kids up and leave. Yep. And that somehow that is more holy than sitting in bed <laughs> with your laptop open, watching your service through a screen. Um, I, the arrogance of that is just striking to me. It, it's like there was a pastor that it, Twitter kind of blew up around a pastor that was yelling at people for treating his church like a production when he's standing on a, a million dollar stage with, you know, multi million dollars of camera recording equipment and lighting, right? It's just, it, and so the, the, to say that, listen, yeah, we want you to come. It's so important that you come physically and then you just come and watch mm -hmm. and, and, um, you're you're passively consuming and and hopefully you're giving money and then to turn around and critique people in a pandemic for passively watching it just struck me as completely ridiculous and it, and it and it really what it did and this was a great gift i think from jesus is it exposed the a very hollow um ecclesiology which is a big theological word that just means the theology of the church Sure, the, the practice and the actions of the church, the things that make church church, right? Yeah, that's it. And our imagination could only reach, well, let's put our regular church online. That yep. was as far as we went. It's all the we Most of us. Yeah. Yeah. That that's was so it. frustrating. It was right? so frustrating. And, and you're just sitting there going, what a wasted opportunity to have explored and, and in some ways repented of the very restricted imaginations we've had around stage and pulpits and lights and worship bands. And um, we could have done many other things. And there were churches, I mean, I'm familiar with churches that were much smaller in size who, who were thriving during COVID because they were built for that. Mm. They were meeting in Zooms and having breakouts and chat rooms. And I mean, it was a phenomenal experience. So I, I think you're onto something when we talk about uh, the church having a lot to learn. And, and again, it's, this isn't, this isn't bad. Um, I, I don't, I don't look at my years invested in physical church. Even the, the one I'm invested in now is waste. Not at all. I think it's no, super absolutely. important. Yeah. But, but it, it, it becomes bad if that's the limit of our imagination about what Jesus is up to in the world. That's, that's the part that we want to keep battling against. Because when you, when you look at Jesus in the gospels, the last thing he is is predictable. And the last thing he is, the last place he's found is where you'd expect him. Mm. He's never found where you would expect him. And I want to follow that Jesus. And that Jesus is the one that takes you into Samaria to meet a woman at a well or takes you into the home of a centurion when there's no reason that you should be there. 
Um, and I think that's the bit we've lost in the American churches. We're so taken with our own strength and technology and our killer sermon series, great Christian publishing, and look at our incredible worship bands. Sure, there's some things that have worked, right? I mean... Yeah, well, have they? Kind of, right? Like, what they've done is mostly cannibalize churches that weren't working, but... I mean, statistically speaking, when you look at some of the stuff coming out from Barnet and things, most of the people that are gravitating towards some of the large churches that have the numbers and the growth patterns and stuff, right? A but lot, all, a lot of transfer growth. It is, and it's all based on our strength. Whereas Paul is so abundantly clear that God only tabernacles with us in our weakness, hmm. and expand um, that tabernacles. Expand that. Well, there's this great, there's this great story that Paul gets into in second uh, Corinthians where he's being compared to like these really charismatic super speakers. He calls sure, them Apollos, super apostles. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, he's not coming out favorably. Evidently he was an, an incredibly great speaker um, in person. And because he refused to take any money for his speaking and said, but worked with his hands, the Corinthians, that was an honor shame thing where they, Paul was shaming himself by working with his hands and not just receiving income from his rhetoric. And so the Corinthians were just totally unimpressed with this guy. And so he starts boasting, um, but says, listen, I mean, it, I could be boasting about when I was carried up to the third heavens and had visions that I can't even describe, but no, I'm going to boast about how many shipwrecks I've been in and, and how persecuted I've been. And then he ultimately gets around to this idea of a thorn in his flesh. We think it's some physical ailment, maybe with his eyes. He mentioned something like that in Galatians. But he, he then talks about um, that God's power rests on him in his weakness, not in his strength. Mm -hmm. and, and so he will boast all the more about his weaknesses. And at least my experience as a pastor of a big, flashy church has always been to put the emphasis on the big and the flashy and not on the weak, not on the, the, the limping, not on the struggle, not on the questions and the doubts. And yet I found Jesus do like Paul's words are true. He, the, Jesus does his best work in those spaces. And so part of, um, what I hope to see in the future of the church in me and in us collectively, is a, a, a more ruthless willingness to walk honestly and humbly and sorrowfully, to, to be willing to engage in lament and uncertainty, mm. to be willing to listen and show hospitality to people who aren't like us, and so on and so on and so on. And so digital space is an interesting avenue for those expressions to take place because they're not controlled as much as church contexts are controlled. You know, mm. somebody can type something in, and I mean, you know, yeah, you can try to get mods on it or do whatever, but there's another sense in which it's a much more uh, open canvas, I think, than church buildings, church services turn out to be. Sure. What we say a lot at what I what I've learned, one of the things I've learned from leading a digital church is um, if you if you think in terms of people's voices in your church and the power that they hold. Right. As soon as you go to digital, it immediately elevates every person's voice higher than what it was before. My voice is still the strongest voice in our church. Right. If I say something, type something, speak something like generally speaking, that will hold more influence than anybody from my team and anybody. But 
the the level between the person who walked in for the very first time and how powerful their voice is compared to the lead pastor's voice on stage my voice is a lot closer to their voice in the digital church right yeah. than yeah. it is inside of uh, you know your average large physical church and i think you know I, i'd love to get into this too because you are a physical church pastor you've been in the yeah. physical church for a long time yeah. and you've run the scope of that right like you've yeah. done the success story thing um, you've done the sort of like, I, you know, I kind of see, I don't know exactly where you were throughout that. I'm sure there was some sort of like a pilgrimage stage oh, yeah, um, in there to land where you are today. You know, you don't go from sort of, I always say that the, the sort of like the, I don't know, the suburban mega church, although has some really awesome things about it, sort of drains the soul of a pastor. Um, mm -hmm. It sort of eats away at their soul. And so, you know, coming through that pilgrimage, now being able to say, hey, I'm in the physical church, but I, I really support and I'm encouraged by what they're doing, but I also want to be more open-minded. I think that's a really cool narrative. Beyond that, like, there's some stuff inside the church that is really negative towards nerd culture, nerd culture mm -hmm. ministry, right? The, the church isn't, known to look particularly great or even intellectually or honestly at things like Dungeons and Dragons or Call to <laughs> Duty or Destiny 2 or or yeah. really any of those things. So, yeah. I mean, as a ministry leader, like yeah. what are some of the church's genuine and maybe what, what ones you feel like are legitimate and what ones aren't legitimate when it comes to the, some of the concerns that the church might have mm. about nerd culture missions work or nerd or digital churches um, or, you know, yeah. nerd centric churches? Because um, yeah. I think that there are some that are illegitimate and but i yeah. think that there are some that probably are you know legitimate concerns but see that that's even that question is a question that most of our churches don't even ask like and again i i don't i i feel comfortable taking shots at the church because i'm a part of it and i'm part of the problem sure and so and i'm familiar with all the mistakes because i've done them all personally so everything i critique i've done so i i don't have any I, i'm not I don't want to add to the chorus of voices just saying, oh, it's so awful. I think there's so much beauty and goodness that comes through there. But I do think it has its limitations that aren't always recognized. When it comes to digital church, the movement in the Bible is word becomes flesh. And, um, and that's not only the, the, the text of scripture becoming enfleshed in the church, but it's, it's the, the logos becoming enfleshed in the person of Jesus. And so the, the great incarnational concern of digital ministry is, I know, but people need in-person community. And one of the responses to that is, yeah, but the modern church doesn't give that to them either. So, um, you know, that, that was what I was trying to get at sure. I don't know, a couple minutes before. Um, so, so one legitimate, and I don't think it's a critique. I just think it's like we have to wrestle with how do we in flesh the things that we're talking about in community mm. and, and, and how much of that can happen digitally and how much ha of that has to happen um, non-digitally. And I don't have any answer to that, but I think it's a legit question. I think another legit question is something you raised before we, we got on air, which is um, I love video games. And if I could feel any blessing from God to play them more, I would certainly say yes to that, particularly if it could be monetized. Um, and, and how do we differentiate in terms of like discipleship, pursuing things that we love and then pursuing things that really aren't the best things that we could be doing, but 
because we we feel like there's some God talk we could employ to justify them, we can do them. Mm, mm. And, oh, that's a really um, good way to put that. The God talk we use to justify. I think that that's 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 an important statement there. Well, I just I, in my life. I've realized I can God talk myself into almost anything and yep. people can God talk me into almost anything and I can God talk them into almost anything. And so I've become much more reluctant to use words like God said, God told me, God called me and I'm much more at peace, you know, being tentative uh, with that until I see the fruit of it. And so, um, you know, one of the, one of the, most important questions I think we we're to be constantly considering is um, what does it look like to faithfully embody the gospel of Jesus in my context? And some of my contexts are video gaming. No question about that. Um, but are there, are there ways in which digital ministry robs people of maturing beyond digital ministry? And I don't know the answer to that. I think it's a legit question. But I think the wrong way to answer it is the way that the church does, which is typically either be dismissive of it, they just need to grow up, um, or somehow saying, listen, to be a real man means you've got to have a job, provide for your wife, um, you know, raise three point, you know, two kids, have a dog, and, you know, don't be a gamer anymore. That's what real manhood is. Uh, and I just think, I think that is so wrong headed. Um, and so damaging. This whole idea of biblical manhood or womanhood is ridiculous. There's no such thing. Mm. Um, there's no prescriptive. I mean, it's just so dumb and it's so harmful to people. And so I, I think if we want to, like, we wanted to have digital ministry conversation, I, I think there are great and good questions to wrestle with that you already know and I'm sure are wrestling with. But they're, but they're, the, the wrong answer, I think, is to just dismiss the whole thing out of hand because the ways in which people are encountering each other right now are legion digitally. And to, mm. and for the church to just sort of relegate itself to the side of that and say, Hey, we're not interested in this because it isn't X, Y, or Z uh, is, is such a backward way of approaching what Jesus is up to in the world. Yeah. So, so I, I'm full throated and fully engaged. Like, it's like, it's the difference between having, I have a podcast and I preach to people in the church. So I do both every week. And mm -hmm. there are different, there are, it's a trade off between what each can do and their limitations to each, right? But to be able to have them both is a great gift. So, so I, I, I feel really good about living in both spaces, recognizing that there are limitations to each and one isn't always, um, and there are so many things to be learned from each, um, that, that I think what you're trying to do in terms of getting the church to pay attention to what you and others are doing in the digital space, I think that's really important because I don't think the church yet is convinced that it has something to learn about ministry in digital spaces. Yeah, the, the church was real gung-ho about it for a couple of months um, and uh, and has, si has since then been a little less excited about it. Um, you know, yeah. the, the story, the narrative has quickly become like, how does the digital thing help us to get people back in the building? Um, yes. You know, we, we've gone yes. back to yes. the metrics yes. Yes. that we know how to measure um, and, and yes. we really don't know what to do with Cindy who's two states away but started attending our church online every week and now... That's right. Um, you know, That's and my right. biggest thing, That's you know... Right. The, 
the complaint from the church about digital space and digital ministry, nerd culture ministry specifically, because a lot of the nerd culture stuff isn't it isn't all digital, but some of it is certainly digital, right? It's very hybrid in its nature. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, there are people who play D and D and TTRPGs and board games around their tabletop every week with friends. Um, those relationships are just as legitimate for me as the the guys who play and raid in Destiny every week together, right? And they've right. developed these relationships. They've built those relationships totally. over many years, right? And yep. so, like, I, I have a close relationship with our video director, Greg, who works here in studio with me. I'm with him all the time. I yeah. took Greg with me to Uganda this past summer, but at the same time, Doc also got off a plane in Pittsburgh the first time I'd ever met him. He's an elder at our church. Was the day the first time I ever met him in person was the day he got off the plane and went for two weeks with me into the mission field. Yeah. And that relationship was just as legitimate. The transformation that had happened incarnationally in his life, right? Not just with the way yeah. that he talked to people on the internet, but the fact that he's now witnessing to people inside of his workspace. The fact that his wife had never heard him pray before, but now mm-hmm. he prays actively with his family. The fact that he's leading his son to the Lord, the fact that he's biblically now leading his family in a really healthy way, and the fact that he's like actively pursuing the people in his immediate sphere of influence in his physical life, both at work and with his friendship circle, that he has yeah. people that he's trying to bring to Jesus is evidence that what, you know, I always say when you when you preach on a Sunday morning, right, you hope that your people don't go home and act like tools on Facebook, right? You hope that your physical presence with them will transform their digital expression. And we're doing the same thing. It's just flipped, right? We are our digital experience with them and the concepts of the digital communities that they're a part of here at Lux are transforming the way that they live physically. We're seeing people freed of addiction. We're seeing people baptized. We're seeing people, um, confessing faith in Jesus. We're seeing people's marriages being saved. Like all of those things are happening. Um, but they're happening in a way that is, has historically not been the way that church has seen success. And so it's really hard for us as pastors, um, and me being one of those, like being a pastor for a decade in a physical church and seeing a lot of success inside of that environment, um, to, to unpack that and go, okay, well, we're going to try this thing that's very, very different now. Um, it's been really cool to see the same stories that I would have celebrated for a decade. Um, yeah. I'm still celebrating. I'm celebrating the same exact stories. Yeah. Um, we're just using different tools to get them. And my church right. now gets to span from Guam the whole way across the United States. Uh, Annika's, yeah. Annika's on a military base in Guam. So that's our, our furthest. We have a couple of people in Sydney and stuff, but our furthest is, is in Guam. So yeah. I, man, we could, I, we could riff for a really long time. And this isn't even supposed to be a digital church podcast, but <laughs> I have those. We could talk about it for, for much longer. But yeah. I would love to close and, and maybe just chat about this for a minute because we do try to do this with everybody. Sure. Um, love that you're a nerd, Mike. Love that you love <laughs> Destiny. There's so many people in our community that do. Um, love that you have such a heart for the church as a whole. Um, and that isn't just about um, doubling down and continuing to reinforce um, sort of like the processes that church has used, right? We yeah. say we, we, we're married to the message, but we're dating the model. Um, and, oh, that's good. uh, it's just good to see that, you know, it's good to talk to someone in the physical church. It's been really successful, but isn't married to the model. Um, yeah. and yep. so I, I love that, but tell us something that you wish you would have known, right? Like take, take us back either to the beginning of Voxology, the Vox community, or take us back, <laughs> take us back to, you know, stepping into a mega oh. church role in California. Oh. What is something that you know today that you wish you could grab that version of Mike and tell him? Oh, start therapy now. Start it. I'll give you an amen to that. Yeah, I have a therapist for a, a good for good reasons. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. <sighs> okay, so so one of my um, I've had a couple of amazing therapists. Uh, 
And one of my therapists several years ago uh, asked me, she said, uh, whose wounds are you trying to heal when you preach? Yours or the church's? And what she meant by that is, as she and I, you know, sat and, and you know, reflected on, on a lot of life and patterns and character flaws and sorts of things, you know, you realize that one of the, the great temptations in the, the church, being paid by a church is um, that you're compensating for some wound, some ego need, some uh, wrestling for validation. Mm. And, um, and so in my case, I was, I was trying to be really, really uh, competent in teaching um, to hide um, shame. And, you know, we all, we all have a shame story. Um, but, but that, that what I was doing with teaching wasn't actually trying to help people, but it was trying to, uh, prop up this, this view I had of myself. And, 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 and again, there's no shock there, but the insidiousness of it and how that, how the roots of that kind of played themselves out over the course of years and decisions and, Man, I really wish I'd go, I'd go back to that kid and say, listen, why don't we spend 10 years working on that? Mm. And then you can start talking. <laughs> mm. And, and because I think a lot of us, you know, like platforms reward charisma. They don't reward character. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, platforms expose character ultimately. I mean, they, you can only pretend to be great for so long if you're really not. But um, I would have, I'd go back and I'd, I'd grab a hold of that guy and just say, okay, let's, and, I, and it would have killed me, but to say, let's work on all of the deep work in your soul, your character, so that you can handle the platform when it comes, as opposed to having the platform expose the cracks. Um, I think that's what I would have said. I think there's two things in that. I mean, obviously, like the main point of that is really powerful. Um, what's interesting is in, in church world, it can be fabricated, but at least in the world that we're in in gaming ministry, people see um, the, someone go live, right? And they're watching the streamer and it fabricates, it, it quickly fabricates platform, mm. right? Um, especially if you see any level of success, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's almost an acceleration to it. Mm. Um, just because you were able to click the go live button. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean you have, have anything valuable to say. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have anything valuable to add, but because you were able to click the go live button, it, it, it almost, it, it just elevates. It's you start at a different point when yeah, it comes to good. influence. That's and great, so that's, that's really, that's really good advice for people who are thinking about stepping into this. The other thing that you said is let's take 10 years. Mm. Um, because I think what most people who are kind of getting into this and they're, they're looking at it and maybe they, they do, you know, there's just so many people in this space, right. Who are struggling with a sex addiction. There's so many people in this space yeah. that are struggling with a video game addiction and escapism addiction, right. They have really deep seated stuff that they have mm -hmm. going on in their heart. There's so many people in the nerd space who have been ruthlessly bullied in the past. Right. And yeah. the success is really proving that childhood bully wrong. Yeah. Um, or the success yeah. is proving their dad wrong, right? Totally. That's saying like, I can be successful in this thing that I yeah. love and I'm passionate about. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who grew up with dads like mine. I love my father. 
but my father's a very blue collar um, mm-hmm. farmer, born and raised, chopping firewood, you know, type of guy. And so for what we're doing right now, this is so far outside of his scope that for a long time, Lux, there's a certain amount in which Lux's success um, was my attempt to say, like, Dad, I'm not an idiot and I'm not ruining my family, <laughs> right? That I'm carrying, that in some way I'm carrying your legacy well, right? Yes. You handed something beautiful down to me. I don't want to be a disappointment and I can still support my family even while I'm pouring myself into a thing that you wish I would have dropped at 10. Absolutely, um, man. And so there's so much in that narrative that then says I self-sabotage, right? Which I'm learning through my counseling as well, right? I tend to self-sabotage and focus in on the one negative amongst all of the positives, right? Because somewhere yeah. deep inside of me, I hear my dad say, people who are lazy play video games. And so I don't yeah. believe deep down that I'm allowed to be happy doing what I'm doing, that I should be punished for doing what I'm doing. And so um, to tell people like get into counseling and just a heads up, it's not going to take three meetings. (laughs) Like it's going to be more. Right. I've had, a, yeah. Yeah, I've had a counselor, I think, since 2018. So I don't know how, how let's five, six years now, something like that. Well, listen, um, on yeah. behalf of an older dude, well done, man. I'm proud of well, you. That's <laughs> a big, no, no, but, but seriously, that's a big deal. Jesus makes so much about the hiddenness mm. of our lives that there has to be a place that's not streamed and not, you know, um, posted. And it's that that hard work in, in the hidden and the small places and the places where there is no validation other than you growing. Um, I mean, that's that's. I mean, it couldn't be more important these days. We have enough moral failures out there. We don't need we don't need more. Um, hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I I just I wish I would have been more in touch with that earlier. Well, Mike, I'm not 100% sure what you're going to be talking about at NCMS, but I personally want to make the request that you talk at least at some point about exactly what you just touched on, um, Mm. which is there is a secret part to Mm. the life of a leader and someone who's in this space that Mm. you can't neglect. Mm. Um, Because, listen, we have a lot of people who are now, they're doing their Bible study time online. They're doing their prayer time online. They're doing everything in front of the camera, right? And part of that is, there, there's two pieces of that, right? There's a portion in which we're saying, this is because I want to lead other people in that. And that's the good side of it. But that is, I can, I can God language my way and justify anything because the <laughs> truth is often, this is a, this is a, I don't have time to do this without yeah. making it into content. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's, so, the, that's the death trap. Yep. And, and to be honest with you, I have a mentor and I'd always get frustrated with him because he'd be like, I'm walking every morning and I'm talking with the Lord. In two weeks, I would talk to him later. He's like, well, you know, it seemed like a way, like I'm, I'm, I'm now running and I'm talking with the Lord. And then it became, I'm just running. And, and there is a certain extent where as followers of Jesus, the deep well that we have to draw from cannot be multitasked. Oh. Um, and you can't That'll make preach. the content and connect to the Lord. That's right. At the same time, or at least not in the way that you need to in order to be continually ministering out of overflow instead of pouring yourself out and rushing back to the tank to be filled back in and hoping that you don't get hit with the wrong thing at the wrong time when you're on E. Um, And uh, which is, you know, man, there's so many moral failures. And to be honest with you in this space. As you're going to be talking, there's going to be they're going to be in the room. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. going to be in the room. Um, the people who have walked through some of that and yeah. are are seeking redemption and restoration. And so I I really hope that you share 
some mm. of exactly that thing, the intentionality about the inward heart um, with with the people at NCMS. Um, Mike, I want to really just thank you so much for being willing to come on. This was a oh, absolutely, man. Slightly unorthodox for this podcast, but I was just personally <laughs> excited to talk to you. So oh, um, it's been enjoyable. Thank you. That's awesome. Are well, you going to be there? I mean, am I going to get to meet you in November? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So okay. I, uh, Lux Digital awesome. Church has partnered with LTN in doing it. So um, we we fund and put together the pre-conference. Um, oh, and so we'll be it. gathering about 24 uh, content creators and leaders in the space in a lake house at Marble Falls uh, for oh. two days before pouring into them, um, yeah. investing in them, helping them to do better at what they're doing, but also really enforcing the idea that they need to spiritually take care of their inward selves. And so as a pastor, that's my heart for this community and um, appreciate that that's your heart as well. Um, Now, with all that being said, I've mentioned NCMS and we're still recording live and I don't do a ton of editing with this. So this is the perfect time for me to tell you that you should go register for Nerd Culture Ministry Summit. Yes. Yes. In Marble Falls, Texas this November. So 8th, 9th and 10th. Uh, it's going to be happening in Marble Falls, Texas. Fly to Austin, grab a rental car, come on out and hang out with us. There's a Holiday Inn Express connected directly to First Baptist parking lot, so you can crash there. Um, we're going to be talking uh, with Mike. Mike's going to be there. Uh, I'll be there. All of the other people, for the most part, that you've heard on this podcast so far are going to be there in the flesh. So if you're looking for the incarnation of the nerd culture movement, uh, of the underground that's going on in Twitch, you can come and shake some hands and high-five some people if that's going to put more flesh and bones on what you're experiencing here on the NCMU. We'd love to have you come out. And not only that, if you're a pastor and you're listening into this, bring somebody with you. So we actually give you a free pass. Uh, mm. If you if you choose to come to this, we hand you a free pass to bring your youth pastor who plays Destiny or that person on your team who plays Dungeons & Dragons or that person from your church because you're going to need a translator. You're going to need a translator for this, right? And so um, we want you to bring somebody with you to expand your idea. Listen, statistically speaking, 3.02 billion people on the planet are gamers and 2.2 billion people are Christians. That means there's about a billion more gamers than there are Christians. Statistically, about 75% of people who are 15 and under identify as a nerd or a gamer in some capacity. So when Jesus tells you to go and love your neighbors, you have a three out of four shot of that neighbor being a nerd. So if you don't know how to minister to nerds, if you don't know how to connect with them, if the only thing that you know how to do is ostracize them, your church is going to consistently fail to reach the coming generations. So come and learn about digital ministry, nerd ministry, nerd missions, uh, all of those things. You might think it's a joke, but I'm telling you right now, there's a reason why Disney makes Marvel movies. Um, and so... Like we would love for you to come and learn how the church can be reaching people that would rather go to hell than go to church. Mike, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate you. You bet. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of the Nerd Culture Ministry Underground. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Come back in a couple of weeks. We'll have another episode ready to go uh, coming down the pipeline, and we'll see you for that episode. listening to the NCMU podcast with hosts Mark Lutz of Lux Digital Church and Bubba Stalkup of Love Thy Nerd. NCMU is a member of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and available on all major podcasting platforms. The NCMU podcast is part of a greater movement called the Nerd Culture Ministry Collective. You can get more information about this show, our guests, and how you can join our Nerd Culture Ministry Collective Discord server by visiting ncmcollective.com. Mm-hmm.